Welcome back to the Sons of Thunder podcast. This is Sean, and uh, today we got a special podcast for you guys. This been this one's been sitting in the vault for a while. We recorded it December twenty third, twenty nineteen. John, Jake, and I sat down and we talked about some inspiring men in the Bible. So uh, after this, after our lust free living podcast, we thought that this would be a good transition and just an easy podcast. Just a 30-minute podcast instead of an hour and 30 minutes from last week. So I hope you guys enjoy the cast. Sons of Thunder is a podcast for young men by young men about living a life centered around faith, fellowship, and fitness. another week i can't <laughs> sing of the sons of thunder podcast john why don't you lead us off <laughs> sure so i was thinking because we had such uh, great examples of masculine virtue and like really strong character in our last podcast with neil and ben who i immediately after was like wow these guys are men and they're doing something fantastic and really great so i wanted to continue with bringing out some examples that we have written, we have been extremely influenced by, but particularly in the Bible. And I don't know why I was reflecting on this at mass because the readings were not from the passion, but yeah. I was praying along with, um, Simon of Cyrene. And I was like, okay, this guy, yeah, I remember being really moved by his, I guess you can say character in the passion of the Christ. If you remember like where Mel Gibson brings him on. And so I did some research in Cyrene. It's a, it's in present day Libya. So that's just to the West of Egypt. And in that time, originally it was a Phoenician Greek colony and it was very lucrative because there's lots of dye, um, specifically purple dye, like the shells. And that's how they would make those beautiful regal garments. So that was a very rich region and it was Jewish for a while. A lot of the Jewish Phoenician uh, Semite people lived there and it was a Roman colony for most of the time pre Cleopatra or contemporaneous with that era. So it had been Romanized. In fact, I was just doing some research that all of the Jewish um, polity, everyone who was Jewish had equal rights as Romans. So it was sort of a Neapolitan, um, you know, cosmopolitan city. It was a big, it wasn't a big city. Alexandria was much bigger. It was the capital of Egypt, but Cyrene was a, you know, kind of like the Hamptons. And so (laughs) think about this guy, Simon, he had his two sons, Alexander and Rufus that's mentioned in the book of Luke. And it's actually mentioned in all three synoptic gospels. Yeah. Interestingly enough, it's not mentioned in John and you could think, Maybe that's because the the author of the book of John, who we'd like to say is the evangelist and the beloved disciple, wouldn't really have noticed because he was present and like he was so yeah. uh, consumed by the moment of being in the passion with Christ. But so I have been impacted and influenced by Simon because this dude was probably really well off. He was either in Jerusalem for Passover or for trading reasons that may have coincided with Passover. So religious or 
he most likely would have been very literate Greek and Roman. And he, uh, I guess it was Aramaic. So, uh, you know, a smart dude, intelligent, probably wealthy, but he was conscripted by the Romans. So he must've been, he was Jewish. So he was walking along and let's say you're, you're just doing your duty. And then you see this mob or like this big thing happening or Pollock, something political is going on in the internet and you're just consumed by it. Like you're thrown, you're thrust into the middle of it. And who do you meet but face to face with God himself? Mm -hmm. And like this dude, I was moved to tears in the Mel Gibson movie, passion where you look at Jesus and he's covered in blood. Yeah. Every Drooling inch of him, and, he's in so much pain yeah. and like his eyes are yellow. Jim Caviezel. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, so cool. You don't know what to do. Yeah. And you literally have to take up your cross and follow him. Mm-hmm. And like, you don't, you're not given any warning. Jesus is just like, are you going to walk with me? But it is such a gift mm-hmm. to be, and this is why I liken him to John the evangelist is it's, it's masculine receptivity. Like it takes a hell of a lot of strength to carry a cross for another person. Yeah. But it also like you have to be receptive and open and your heart has to be wounded and vulnerable in every step of the way, but you can't control anything. Yeah. You have to just suffer with him. And I find a lot of affinity with this character and same with Johanna and figure because just the sufferings of my own life with my mother. It's like, well, you can't do anything but just carry the burden hmm. with a full heart and a courageous upper lip sort of thing. Yeah, that's so interesting, John. I think that's that's so cool how that happened. You know, how Jesus, how God allowed that to happen. You know, how Jesus really didn't carry his cross by himself. No, he, you know? he kept collapsing. And he, and he kept collapsing. He kept kept falling. And he, he really relied on Simon of Cyrene to, to help him. And then the passion, you know, he, Simon was carrying the cross and carrying Jesus. And yeah. there was multiple times where Jesus just fell and he's like, okay, come on, get up, get up. Yeah. And I think that's such a cool, you know, insight mm-hmm. into our spiritual journeys and how yeah. we do need others to help carry our crosses. Yeah. We yeah. do need to help uh, have others experience our crosses and, and mm-hmm. participate in carrying our crosses with yeah. us. Well, in the passion, there's such a progression too of character with Simon. Yeah. Uh, originally he's reluctant to help yeah. Jesus. He goes, what me? No, no, not I, you know, kind of this pride. I'm not going to help a convict right. carry his cross to his death. And, yeah. but as, he progresses the journey with Jesus, his heart starts to warm and then he becomes Jesus's helper Uh and starts to really have empathy for this man and to share in his passion. Uh And it's really amazing, Sean, when you relate that to the spiritual journey of original reluctance. And then once you go on the journey with God, you realize it's God and Uh clearly the Holy spirit was working in Simon Uh because, um, you know, he, he, I believe too, he carried it more than he, he needed. Yeah. I think they only were going to make him do it for like a block or so uh-huh. in modern measurements. Um, but I think he chose to continue to help Jesus too. Yeah. So, uh, kind of that free will aspect. Yeah. And then he, in, in the, the passion, um, in the end he's, he's defending Jesus, you know, yeah. he's like, why are you guys doing this? And then they're just like, get the heck out of here. You know, and then they kick him off. Right. Yeah. And he's just like, he's w- and then he was just like, what happened? Yeah. That's the part where he that kind of, so re- cool. as a Jew, he realizes this man is the Messiah. Oh, yeah. that's so Incredible. cool. 
and it's just an encounter, you know, you have that encounter and even just Simon, you know, like walked a mile in Jesus's shoes, Mm. you know, you know, that's the cliche, but like he did, he walked a mile in his shoes and, and carried the weight of the world. Mm. And then he realized what he was doing and, and that got to him. Yeah. I, I think the reason why I'm so drawn to that sort of thing is same with John being at the foot of the cross. You're it's, it's what's you are wounded by beauty. There's nothing you can do, but just be consumed by the beautiful, but it's so painful. You know, there is no love. There is no grace without pain. And when you're unable to do anything, but just surrender to that, that's where uh, I like, that is the point. Let me start over. I think those are the moments in life that I live for, you know, Uh those gold moments that we've sort of talked about, but it's, totally out of your control mm-hmm. like john billing what's the point of love what the heck is the point of love if i'm in control da, 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 da. conversations with my wife yeah 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 what's yeah yeah it's a good song conversations with my wife listening to him again he's kind of been off my radar for the first time yeah. like ever since i started hearing him what John Bellion. John Bellion. It's like I was on a John Bellion binge for like two years. Oh, yeah. And then you're just like, oh, I need a little break. Yeah. He's still my favorite artist. Oh, yeah. 2019 Spotify most played. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. But, well, thanks for thanks for sharing that. Yeah, uh, yeah that's Simon sweet. John. Um, my pick is David. Uh-huh. And now I think David is a fairly well-known character in the Bible. But um, did you guys know that he has more, or there's more written about David than any other biblical character? That's so cool. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like even more written about David than Jesus. Obviously wow. David isn't on par with Jesus, but, um, <laughs> and then 66 chapters are dedicated to David. Wow. And that doesn't even include 59 references to him in the new Testament. Oh and the God. Psalms too. And the Psalms are yeah, all his. The Psalms. Um, so David, he was the second king of Israel. Mm-hmm. He uh, followed after Saul. And prior to being a king, he was a shepherd boy. And um, as a lot of us know, the big battle against Goliath, which mm-hmm. I think Sean's got some very interesting commentary oh, yeah. on later. <laughs> but um, the big battle of Goliath, David was out doing his duty out in the fields. He was called upon um, into battle. And he defeated the giant Goliath with his sling, with a rock. And um, after that was anointed um, as as king. His yeah. appointment didn't come, though, for years later. Yeah, I believe he had it's to wait. something along 20 to 24 years. And in those 20, 24 years, he was Saul's right-hand man. Uh-huh. Um, he was a very, very prestigious general, what would be the equivalent to a four-star general mm-hmm. um, in today's day and age. And... Uh, won many battles and ultimately Saul got jealous of David Mm -hmm. and um, sought to kill David. And so David fled persecution. Uh And during that time he had opportunities, one very, very notable opportunity to kill Saul. However, he knew that Saul was the appointed at the time and he did not want to go against God. Uh And so Saul ended up being killed in battle. David assumed the throne and was very, very successful as the king of Israel. Um, Israel was able to conquer the Palestinians and the Syrians and obtain dominance in the Middle East and basically become a power. 
as we all know, David um, ultimately fell to the desires of his flesh. While he was supposed to be in battle, uh-huh. um, he things were going so well for him. His generals were so good that he chose to not go out this time trusting his mm-hmm. generals. However, during that period, that lay period, he fell into temptation and ultimately um, ended up sleeping with the wife of one of his top commanders. And um, so David committed adultery. He... Um, sought forgiveness from the Lord for his sins. He was very remorseful and the Lord once again found favor with David. However, there would be consequences due to his actions that would last for generations. What were the consequences? So the consequences um, led to division in Israel. Okay. Um, David was promised that him and his offspring, Solomon, would have dominion and dominance. However, uh-huh. after that, there would be divisions. Um, well, to- Absalom, his other son, that was one of the main consequences also. like he, he, I think Absalom was his beloved, his favorite son, and then he rebelled against David. Yep. And oh. eventually... David had to flee. Yep. Once again, as king, he yep. had to flee briefly. So there was turmoil, yep. um, but the division of Israel had not occurred yet. Um, that happened after Solomon. Um, yeah. But so David, though, um, very admirable character in the Bible, very relatable. He's in so many books that we, we know a lot about yep. him, especially through the Psalms. Uh-huh. Um, that's basically David just pouring out his heart. It's like his journal and we get to read it. Um, so... Um, yeah, man, I, yeah, if I can just interject, I really like David too. I think, well, he's the only person in the Bible besides Christ who is given the, I guess you could say title or role. Like he is the heart of the father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I find a lot of affinity in that because clearly David is a crazy psycho man who, is very emotional. Like when he's dancing around the Ark of the Covenant, doesn't yeah. give two craps what people think. Yeah. He's writing his heart out in the Psalms. Like this man felt very deeply. It's so mm-hmm. cool. And he expressed it in a very beautiful way. And you just yeah. think of Michelangelo's David, like, and Peterson talks about specifically how the statue conveys the ideal man. First off, he's gorgeous. He has a great yeah. body. And he, like he, elevates you to want to be that. And King David does that to us. It mm-hmm. is. That's so cool. Yeah. And with David too, you know, it's mentioned a lot in the Bible that God found favor with David. Mm-hmm. I found yeah. favor with David, even after his adultery, yeah. God just really loved David. And so much so, so that cool. he chose to be in David's lineage. Yeah. You know, even oh, this, yeah. this stained man, this sinful man, um, God said, no, I, the, the savior of the world is going to descend from the lineage of David and he is going to come to fulfill what David established. And I love David and I have given him, you know, glory and favor. And I think where we can relate that to in our lives is God has found favor with each and every one of us. And he, he sees us with a love that we can't quantify we can't love another human as much as God loves us. Yeah. So even when we fall, 
God still wants what's good for us. He still wants us to set out to achieve what he has in store. Yep. Mm. And he's always found favor in our eyes. Yeah. Um, it's a matter of, are we receptive to it or not? Definitely. I think that's another thing that I think of kind of related to that. When I think of David is he, he answered the call, you know, the, there wasn't a big call, but he stepped up, you know, he stepped yeah. up to Goliath and, everyone, the, all, every single man in that army didn't want to face Goliath. And he stepped up and he stepped up to, to what no man wanted to do. And he did it. And, and like his guts and his stepping up to the call through that God revealed all of the gifts that he had in store for him. Mm-hmm. And it, it eventually Jesus coming and being one of his descendants. Yeah. You know, it's, um, Sean, you and I, and I don't know if you've watched the Christine Kane video, Jacob. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The anointing and appointing. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. And he's the titular character yeah. in that. And like he talks, she talks about the gifting, anointing and then appointing. So God anoints us in the dark room as we yep. talked mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the name of that? Yeah, gifting, anointing. It's, that's what it's anointing called. versus gifting. Yeah. That's Great right. that's video it. for all you listening. Yeah. Christine Kane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. I think that's the key is that like it he is. was anointed yeah, and then like throughout that 17, 20, 25 per- year period, literally years of his yeah. life. And he actually lived with the Philistines too. That's the crazy part. When yeah. Saul was chasing him, he went over to the enemy. Yeah. So yeah. I think that adds a whole layer of complexity to the morality mm-hmm. of like, well, your actions, you don't have to over spiritualize totally. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you have the heart of the Lord and like Romans eight twenty eight, God wants the best for you, but you have to answer that. I think that for sure was his call as a man. And he answered it. And then like out of that, the chain of events that happened really led to God's appointing, but it necessitated the man of the heart, the courageous, the deep emotional, and that the heart of every man, I think Uh we are, have the capacity to have a heart like the father, but yeah, that is, um, that was it, Sean. Like that was, yes. And I think, I think, I mean, so many people express this, but they say how David wasn't just this field fairy that sang songs, you know, he fought off lions and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. I think that he was, I mean, he was out in the wild defending his sheep all day, all, all year. Mm -hmm. And he, he was out there in God's country Mm -hmm. and he was out in the wild experiencing, you know, God's creation. Yeah. And I think that allowed him to, to really realize who he was. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, he was, he became so good, you know, so good that he was able to defeat the Goliath with his, yeah. with his sling. And, um, yeah, if we want to transition, I, I have a cool story. I about, got one thing. To add yeah. yeah okay. Keep going. So, um, kind of what John was talking about little earlier, having, you know, your kids out in the wild and uh-huh. just being free. But yeah, David in God's country, he was building the foundation. Um, physically he was doing it by hunting down wolves and killing lions and developing that, but also spiritually too. Um, you know, shepherds have really found favor with God in the Bible. When you look at the nativity story, Christ went to the desert for 40 days. Exactly. Uh But with the shepherd though, they are doing a lot of sitting. They're watching the flock. They're watching the flock eat. So they have time to be still and quiet. And so David in those years as a shepherd on his own was able to 
develop a relationship with God and to speak with God in the stillness. And he wasn't caught up in the hustle and bustle of the kingdom, the politics of the kingdom. He was just out developing those foundations so that when he did receive the call, he was able to act on it. Yeah. You know, there's times he understood what it was. Yeah. Because he he was ready. And that's what Christine Kane talks about too. Yeah. He was ready. It doesn't mean he wasn't nervous. Um, You know, he didn't walk into it prideful saying, oh, I've got this. He still had that, that healthy fear, I'd say. Um, But he had that trust with God because he knew God. Yeah. It's so cool. And yeah, the thing with David and Goliath, I think there's a really cool story that, um, well, Malcolm Gladwell shares in one of his TED talks. Um, you can just Google Malcolm Gladwell, Ted, David, and Goliath. It's a really cool story. I won't do it justice, but he talks about how David and Goliath, um, Goliath wasn't as you know intimidating as as you might think. Um, you know, he was a, he was a giant. You know, you think of Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant died when he, when he was you know in his in his late thirties and four or forties. And so what these giants suffer from, it was so funny because Malcolm Gladwell said that he was probably like six, seven and I'm six, seven. So I was like, (laughs) 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 he was probably six foot seven. I was like, Oh shit, I'm a giant. (laughs) But, um, but he's saying there's the gentle giant. He was saying there's a couple key words in, in this, um, in the scripture. He said that Goliath, Goliath was led to battle showing that he couldn't, he couldn't see where he was going. And so when, when the Philistines and the Israelites were fighting, they, they posted up on two sides of this trench and you just, you, it would, it was a standoff. So if one person went down in the Valley to go and attack the, the other side would just, um, you know, berate them with, with bow and arrow or something like that. So it was just, they were just on a standoff, you know, no one. So then, so then Goliath came down and challenged one man, you know, let's, let's save all the casualties and let's just do, if I, if I defeat you guys, you guys will, um, surrender. And if, and if your strongest warrior defeats, yeah. I mean, it's very frequent in the, in the, you know, biblical times. But where the they would consequences do that. were severe. Consequences you know, it were severe. Like, it was like, if you lose, you become our slaves. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and so, and so with David and Goliath, Goliath was led to battle. And then when David approaches Goliath, he, Goliath says, um, he talks about David in the plural. So it, it shows that, that Goliath was seeing double. So he had bad sight. So he couldn't, so he was, he said, come closer so that I may see you clearly. And so, and the thing with David is he uses a sling and these in the, the, in the in biblical times, the, the men that use slings were, were actually one of the most powerful you know, men in battle, sure. they could, they could hit, they could hit a quarter from, you know, 200 yards. And so David gets within, you know, 60 yards of Goliath, you know, and just slings him right in the forehead. And he, he probably was aiming for the forehead. And so, um, Malcolm Gladwell's conclusion with the story is your, your giants might not be as intimidating as they seem. Yeah. And, and they might just be Mm-hmm. you know, fronts for that's so true. What is, yeah, it's it is. Because when you you've gone through the wilderness and when you've been given your identity and relationship and you're anointed, you know how strong you are. Yeah. And David has probably dealt with some fiends who were trying to steal his sheep or some, he had what oh, eleven yeah. older brothers who were jerks to him. Yeah, they so, laughed at him. Yeah. So like, it's like, well this dude mm-hmm. has dealt with adversity and he knows himself and he knows that okay, you know it's Schwarzenegger. It's like, okay, well 
there's the ground you've fallen how far can you go <laughs> yeah and, can you do it in arnold's voice though i mean it's it's the, the ground how, how far can you go <laughs> I don't know. Good. the jim gaffigan joke how can everyone do an impression of arnold and arnold can't do an impression of someone that can pronounce <laughs> california <laughs> <laughs> so sean you got a hero right yeah i think for me i think one of the not one of the most impactful characters in the bible um but just one that had a great effect on me was saint dismas i know i've mentioned him in the past but it just thinking i think when i i learned about him um it was a very pivotal time in my life and I really just realized the, the, how complex the encounter is with Jesus. But then learning about St. Dismas just showed me how easy it is and how, um, all it takes is seeing truth and accepting it and, um, you know, taking it as your own. And that's kind of what we're called to. So St. Dismas is a good thief. Mm. Um, the first saint in the heaven, that's what I claim. Um, but, but he recognized truth, you know, he sees, um, he sees the bad thief mocking Jesus. And he's like, what are you doing? We, we deserve our punishment and, and he doesn't. And then he sees, he sees what Jesus is and who he is and who he's standing for and, and who he's dying for. And he realizes all of this, um, on his deathbed and, and he calls out to Jesus, you know, remember me when you go into your kingdom mm. and we sing that. You know, we sing that. It's a part of a, a, a song that we sing in, on Good Friday. And I just have so many vivid, vivid memory, memories of that. And, and yeah. it's so powerful because because it is that simple. You know, you can think of your your faith life as as so complex and so crazy. And you have to do all these things. You have to go to confession. You have to go to mass. You have to discern. You got to take a year of you know, discernment and, and it sounds me, like living by the law. It's, it's living by the law. And I, I think you just need to, to accept the truth in your life. And I think that that is the most free that I've ever felt is, is accepting truth yeah. and not living out of fear, Yeah, you know, and, and the, the bad thief was, you know, acting out of what everyone else was saying. Mm. And am I going to look at truth and, and what's going to happen if, if Jesus is being crucified in front of me and am I going to recognize that he's King? Yeah. You know, or am I going to go with the flow? Yeah. Yeah. Sean, I'm, you introduced me to this yeah. saint and I th- right. it was so cool. And I never saw the three men on the cross the same since uh-huh. then. Um, it's so refreshing that he's like the first saint because, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was the last second and he chose to follow God and yeah. he's got eternity to think. And, um, it's so so nice because we all know those people who they don't have a faith, but you, you never know what they might decide to do on their deathbed or whatever that may be, or in our lives too. You know, God's always there. Mm -hmm. You know, he has found favor with us. It's that receptivity to him. It took the penitent thief to be right next to God on the cross to choose Jesus. But God doesn't say, Hey, you had a horrible life. Like this is it. No, off with you. Jesus being like, nice try. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Instead he's like, no, like I will see you later in paradise. Yeah. We'll be together in paradise. Dude. Yeah. Like literally that's how merciful God is. (laughs) And even when he's being crucified by me, he still says, Father, pray for them. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And I think from the Jungian deep psychology standpoint, mm. you can compare these two people on the cross to Cain and Abel. Yeah. 
they're, they're archetypical characters, totally. but it's like what you're saying, it's easy to go with the flow, but it's, you could also frame it as resentment where you're nailed to the cross and your circumstances could the, I don't know, he's obviously not named, but the thief on the left, the angry one, he finds himself nailed to a cross, angry, pissed off that justice wasn't served, whatever happened, maybe he was stealing for a good, you know, there's a, a deep grave morality to it. But what did he choose to do with his freedom is he was mock Christ. And I've done that. Yeah. I mean, like, why did you put me here? You know, you uh-huh. could have changed this. You could have done something to save yourself. Even yeah. why aren't you doing something? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the circumstances, the is the current reality. And I think what you're hitting at is there's something more to it. Uh-huh. Wherever your perceptions lie, that's not real, even yeah. neurobiologically. Like your perception, my perception of this current event where we're sitting right now is totally different from the two of you. Yeah. And even though we're in the same stupid room uh-huh. talking with each other, it's not the same reality. No. And he, it, what's so interesting is in the Mel Gibson interpretation, he had a chance to see who Jesus was and what happened when he didn't. The crow. crow he pecked he got his, his eye out. plucked out. So he, he, he lost that opportunity. Right. And I'm sure I, I don't want to speculate, but yeah. we're sort of doing that here, even with Dismas, because we can't, we don't know. We can't say, but you, you can hope that maybe Christ would want to like talk with this guy uh-huh. before the final judgment. And I was reading something on Twitter where it's like, okay, oh, the no. final judgment is just going to be you talking to Jesus. Like it's not so cool. like that he doesn't come to condemn. He said yeah. that it's not going to be, Oh, living by the law. You failed here, here, here. I'm Santa Claus. Naughty yeah. list. <laughs> Let's actually go through this together. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. So amazing. So, I mean, just when you're going through these things, I mean, there's just so many great examples of masculinity yeah. all yeah. around us. You don't have to look around you. You can look in the Bible. And we, we did not mention, well, we did mention Jesus, but we, we didn't mention, you know, Jesus specifically as an example. There mm-hmm. there are so many great men in the Bible. He wasn't the central character today. No, he's yeah. the central figure of our lives. But uh-huh. um, the Bible is loaded with examples. And the crazy thing is, too, is all of them aren't perfect. Yeah. All of them had their screw-ups. And uh-huh. I think I know what John's pulling up right now. Yeah. Was it on a fridge? Yeah. So this, <laughs> this is at um, Lowell Seashore's house, and he's a fantastically holy man. He runs Dangerous Men. But it's this picture. It says... Do you seriously, this is on his fridge. It Mm -hmm. says, do you seriously think God can't use you? Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. So the whole victimhood thing just kind of falls right out. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. (laughs) Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah was too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah was naked. Jonah ran from God continually. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while they were supposed to be awake and praying. Martha worried about everything. Uh, Samaritan woman was divorced. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. And Lazarus was dead. That's <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, you just you look at the whole masculine oh. journey and especially the walks of life for every human. Like yeah. People have done this before and screwed yeah. up far more than you have. There's mm-hmm. just I just there's someone out there for you as uh-huh. an example. 
Absolutely. I'm just, um, I'm just realizing how much yeah. untapped gifts, how many up, untapped gifts that, uh, God probably has in store for me, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. what, like even, you know, Pier Giorgio Frasati, blessed Pier Giorgio, you know, just seeing that, you know, just him being able to live his true life, mm-hmm. you know, with all those gifts. And yeah. I mean, there's a castle of gifts waiting for us. Mm-hmm. All we got to do is be receptive to the beauty in front of us. I, I have found a lot of affinity with the St. Francis prayer. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Like if you pray that it's going to happen. That's so cool. It's like, well, the more that you really tune yourself into the deeper reality, whether you're sitting at a desk with three computer screens (laughs) or you're going through your day to day life, um, you're walking from class, you're depressed or whatever you find yourself not fitting into a narrative or you're like, my life doesn't have meaning. Well, all you, just pray that prayer. Say, God, show me the beauty that you truly have in store for me. Yeah. It's like, I'm sure Jesus was not pretty or beautiful that day, but when you've encountered what's beneath what you see, oh, yeah. like Transformers, there's more than meets the eye. <laughs> That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. That's awesome. so good. Well, thanks again for listening to another week of Sons of Thunder. Yeah. And I know that you'll be listening to this post-Christmas, but um, I'm going to wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and um, a joyous New Year, too. Yeah. Get those New Year's resolutions. We should do a, yeah, a New Year's resolution podcast or something like that. Yes. Yeah. I can't wait to share with you guys my resolution. Oh, yeah. well, I'll do a scared. res for sure. Okay. All right. Well, this is Jacob. This is Sean. And this is John. Sons of Thunder is a podcast for young men by young men about living a life centered around faith, fellowship, and fitness.